We're back with episode 5 of the Scripture Union of the Ireland podcast. I'm your host, Phil Howe, the Training and Resource Manager for SUNI. The purpose of this podcast is to equip and resource the local church in our joint mission of making God's good news known to children, young people and families. In this month's episode, we want to talk about people development with two volunteers who are part of our council. Sarah Coughlin will be sharing her learning from the Bible and will be asking Joanne Coulter about her staff story as PA to the General Director. So first, let's get a chat with Mark and Janine, who are part of our council, and get thinking about the importance of people development. So guys, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Do you want to tell you guys who you are and what you do? And Mark, I'll start with you. Okay, I'm Mark McKeown, sometimes known as Benny. I work in finance and banking in Belfast, so I've been doing that for 15, maybe maybe a few more years, and uh, basically that's helping businesses get finance. Very good. We could get sidetracked in the Brexit, but we'll not. Um, Jenny, what about you? I'm Jenny Mitchell, and I currently am part-time mum to six little ones, and also part-time counsellor just started my own business, so... Be good to get a chat afterwards, Mark. About that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just started my own counselling business about two years ago, so we're just I'm just building that up. Because you weren't busy enough with the six kids, so you thought, yeah, start I thought, a business. why not? I'll yeah. just get something else on the go. And what is your experience of Scripture Union? And I, I got involved really as a leader really at seventeen uh, when I first went along to Newcastle Sism to help out there, and it was just such a, an amazing time of fun and excitement and growth for me and through a number of years at Newcastle Sism then that led on to taking on leading the team at Benoon Sism and then after a time doing that also leading uh, Ballycastle Sism for three years with my wife Jane and uh, in each of those places we just saw God working in so many different ways and some quite different circumstances but generally through the mission lens an issue. Before I became a counsellor I worked in the church for 18 years and so at the beginning where I first became a Christian I volunteered at Bally Home Sism for a number of years and loved that and actually heard stories of people giving their lives to Jesus at five and six and being our team and that oh, was brilliant. just like outstanding in terms of that and that was a two-week mission I think that was one of the pivotal moments I think as a Christian I would say. After that I think just being involved with the schools and like just being closely linked to the issue in terms of schools workers and things like that and then having children and then them going to the missions yeah and they go to ballycrock and actually and they love it you know they just love they love the team they always come away just really enthusiastic and just the whole like relationship with the team is really vital i think you know definitely seen our eight-year-old noah last year just really grow in his faith because of the leaders what they put into him and knowing his name and asking him and uh, questions about the bible like much more than what we could do at home and i think then also too then our children going to primary schools and secondary schools now and you can see the work just the thread of su in their lives like jessica being at glenola and just all of that she goes to you know the su once a week and then the, the schools work then rachel being bloomfield primary all of that you just see this lovely woven thread of su being in our lives for a very long time uh, and you guys are obviously still involved. Uh, you're both on council. And uh, what what brought you into council? I, I suppose when I talked about involvement in, in leading uh, Benone and Bally Castle, that for us came to maybe more of an abrupt end than, than, than I would have liked at the time in that we were expecting our third child. We uh, reluctantly decided to step aside. Um, just there was too much going on family time at that stage. Mm. So we stepped back and... Then stepping back in after that, and after a number of years, really, that's when I was asked to get involved in council, and and that was just a great opportunity to 
have involvement in a different kind of way and you know I was really keen to stay connected to stay involved and to contribute I wasn't sure what that was but as it turned out you know trying to help in that sort of role for me has allowed me to, to do that for me certainly it was I have known Damien for for years and then he's obviously heard of the work that we've done in Bangor you know just in terms of schools work in terms of being involved in terms of just our passion for SU and I think that for him then we had a coffee and he asked me to be part of that. SU is a volunteer led movement and some people might wonder what what a council do I'm quite interested to see if your answers match up (laughs) but uh, uh, Benny what the council do? It's interesting because in some ways I sometimes summarise it that sometimes council do some of the most boring bits of SU and I think sometimes they do some of the most exciting bits of SU and I say that because you know if you, if you want to formalise it or put it a nice nice words on it, you know, council are there to set the strategic direction for the organisation and if you like shape and steer at a, at a sort of higher level. And then I suppose the bit that I think is maybe the most exciting of all is actually setting the strategic directive and trying to yeah. think five and more years ahead. And, and that's really what strategy is, isn't it? Where we actually plan and say where we want to try and get to, what we're aiming for. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, the detail of how that happens is, is, is sort of aiming towards meeting our strategy. So that's why I think it's that exciting bit as we get to look forward and see, well, what do we need to be thinking of? What do we need to be embracing? What do we need to, to be trying to stimulate? What do we need to be encouraging? And that's where, wow, what a privilege. What, you know, how exciting to be involved in that as we think ahead. You know, what has God got in store for for the organisation. And Jane, do you agree? <laughs> Absolutely, everything that Mark just said. <laughs> thought about that question, I thought like that we oversee the organisation and we help fulfil the vision. You know the vision is being implemented by people on the ground. But it's almost like we we get the exciting stuff of the strategy and everything, but actually it's empowering those people on the ground doing that and actually trying to oversee that. It's more just thinking, okay, is everything everything in place and just thinking of those things in that meeting and empowering everyone else to go out and do what they're called to do. And what's been your biggest encouragement since joining council? Obviously, Jean, you haven't been on council as long as no. uh, as Benny, um, but what's been your biggest encouragement in your time on council? I think there's, there's, I mean, definitely a few moments, but for me there was the council missions Thanksgiving night. It was just really powerful, like sitting and just seeing everyone coming together. I brought my daughter with me. You know, she was so involved in it all and people welcomed her and, you know, it was like almost she was part of it. Um, but almost like part of this bigger picture going forward. And that one for me was a really, a really special night, just seeing all the volunteers there. It was, and even, I suppose, always thinking the world that we live in sometimes now, it is about people, time, money, like it's about money and we're going to get paid for that. It's all of that sort of stuff. And there was a this room full of volunteers and it was just their time. It was their time. They'd just given up their time. And it's so amazing to see that really still at the heart of SU that people just want to do that, who want to come along and see Jesus glorified through the missions and through the camps because they want to, not because they're being paid to. Yeah. that makes sense like, I love that inspires you even though you're a volunteer and you're trying to be on council so that's <laughs> yeah it's good that it kind of works both ways yeah. mm. I see an organisation and I have seen since I've been involved that has just an amazing legacy of work over 150 years an amazing legacy and traditions in some ways we would say you know and how things have been done but for me that means that the ongoing encouragement or the maybe the biggest encouragement has been I suppose how we have seen the pioneering work the things that have changed the things that have moved on the things that have got even more exciting if you like while I'm always encouraged by so much of the legacy 
uh, my biggest encouragement actually is how we've pioneered and embraced and, and moved on and continue to try to do that uh, while trying, trying to stay true to, to what we believe as an yeah, organisation and, and our, our rock, if you like. Yeah. So we're thinking about kind of people development and you've talked even about in the SU story that is part of SU's you know, developing of leaders in your own life or developing in, in school SU groups, whatever. Um, it's continuing to be one of the values as part of the new five-year strategy. But how do you hope that will play out over the next few years? I think, again, it's empowering people. For me, it's really... It's, I feel that the, the strategy, it needs to involve people who really are on the ground doing the work, you know, mm. although we obviously have that privilege of being in council, but I feel that the development is actually important. And the pioneers who are out there and wanting to see new things, and they get the ideas and they're listening to Jesus and they're praying about it. It's hearing that and developing that and praying, you know, really praying and empowering them um, to be able to do that. So I would love to see... I love to hear new ideas. I love to hear, like, even the, whenever you said about E3 there, Mark, it was like, at one point, that was an idea that somebody had. So it's thinking, okay, what other ideas are out there? Like, who else yeah. is going to come up with these ideas that we need to listen to? Staff, volunteers, that people say, here, what about this? And we, we consider that, because that could be the new, you know, E3 that actually we, we get to... Which is just a normal part of SU now. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so that for me would be the development people's actually okay. What what are ideas are out there? What are people praying and dreaming dreams? And you know what's people's dream for their part of SU that they're in? It's such a crucial aspect of life. Uh, you know, up and down through history, we we see and hear those stories of people who were were invested in as as young, uh, when their minds were were growing and learning and 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 how they have they went on to great things and big things. And I, I think, you know, there's so much in that as an organisation for us. I would certainly say that I learnt so much um, as, a, as a young leader um, through SU and people invested in, in me at, at that time. And now you're at the stage you're passing that on. And, well, I hope that's the case, yeah. but it's certainly a challenge that that's what I should be doing and that's what the organisation should be doing. And I just think it's just such an exciting thing. It's, it's, mm. it's, it's, a, it's a responsibility, but it's a privilege to be able to pass that on to our own kids to others kids uh, and I think that's one that we must take really really seriously because you know there are so many talented people people that you know God's given amazing gifts to yeah. but that knowledge that excitement that passion some of those skills need to be passed on and need to be nurtured and developed and I think that that's a, a crucial uh, part of our work you know in terms of people development going forward and how can people pray for council so I suppose it's you know all of those things that we've talked about maybe I hope summarize really nicely of some of the excitements and some of the mm. challenges for us. And you know, this is a, an organisation that 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 I think uh, I hope is the case that you know it really feels like as much as possible volunteers, full time staff, people like council. You know, we are just really another. We're just another volunteer that we just have, have been asked to do a different kind of role. And I I think there is a real joined up approach in that where there's so much uh, intertwining of those roles at events and in different kinds of ways but at times as Janine said you know it really does feel like a burden because in all of the opportunity and all of the excitement and all of that responsibility that does feel like well you know is is this really what God would have for us in, in this time and um, is he really calling us to do this is that something we need to pull back from is that something we need to be a bit more wise about is that something we need to take more time to consider and um, and so 
I know our request for prayer would just be that that we that we would be given that wisdom that God would just really steer um, and uh, would would direct uh, and use us in that role as we um, try to try to lead the organisation, try to set the journey ahead. And um, because there are lots of challenges, um, you know, like any organisation, for all the excitements that that we've talked about, and there are many. Um, there are there are lots of challenges, so that, that we would have that wisdom to deal with those. And I guess even boldness to, to speak up where you might think, I don't know if this is the yeah, right idea, yeah. but having the confidence that you're saying and the mm-hmm. experience in the room to be able to yeah. thrash those things out. Yeah, yeah. yeah because with, with privilege comes responsibility. Mm-hmm. And, and isn't it the same for all of us in whatever uh, way we're involved in, in the ministry of SU? You know, there is the responsibility to... To live and act in, in, you know, in what God would have for us. Yeah. Um, so you know, I think that's a line from Spider Man, by the way, with great power comes great responsibility. Could be. Do you know what about you? I think I was just thinking there, driving up to an SU meeting, I was thinking one of the things I think about and pray. And I think definitely one of my prayers is God, let me hear your voice in this. Like, let mm-hmm. me just hear what you want to say. Like, as you begin to speak in those meetings, like almost. Okay, let me let me speak from a place of wisdom rather than just reacting. And I was thinking that as Mark was talking, I thought actually for us as a council, I think that whenever you're in those meetings, it is just just doing what God wants us to do, and really, and and as a team, being united in that and and seeing because there's so much in the room that's great, and like there, and it's just hearing everyone's voice in that and and knowing what the right decisions are to make and and just and also too I guess even supporting like Damien and the work that he does and just overseeing that it's all of that we want to say thank you to you guys staff and volunteers for the wisdom that you do put in and the time that you give I know from thinking about issue and you think about legacy you also think about it's so dynamic and trying to move things forward and I guess people development is part of that because and I suppose people here listening to the podcast I hope they're encouraged in their own local church because you need to be able to pass that on, you need mm-hmm. to be able to pass on that with them, you need to be able to build other people up. Um, and so I hope that's been an encouragement as, as we've been chatting today. But just to say thank you uh, for your time. Pleasure. Thanks. Luke 17, 20-21 Once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Our January resolutions might seem like a distant memory. Our determination for new patterns and rhythms may have already started to waver as we settle back into the course of the year and look forward to the coming of spring. We read in the Bible that as we follow Jesus, we are called to live out a different rhythm and a different pattern in our everyday lives as we carry the kingdom of God with us. As I go to work, walk down the street, sit in a coffee shop, visit friends or spend time with family, I wonder how does that different pattern appear on my face, through my walk or in my words? Can they see it? The kingdom of God at work in my life. The joyful truth is that we get to carry this powerful and transformative kingdom. We are all given what we need to be the salt and light to this earth because God has made a way and the kingdom of God is in our midst. As we start this new month, let's not forget to fix our eyes on this truth. Trust the kingdom is here, working in us and through us and allow God to use us in our ordinary lives in extraordinary ways.
The last input for this month's podcast is to hear from Joanne Calder. Uh, Joanne plays a behind-the-scenes role in SU. People may know some of our schools workers or interns or camps and missions workers, but may not know Joanne, uh, who is a vital cog in the SU machine. So let's hear what she has to say. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, great to be here. Uh, I love that you say great to be here, I know you're a bit nervous about this, <laughs> uh, but I know Damien's very much looking forward to hearing what you're going to share. Uh, That's great. Um, suppose you, Stephen, start off, go right back, when uh, did you become a Christian and uh, why are you a Christian? I became a Christian when I was really young. I grew up in a Christian family um, where I was prayed for before I was born, so I don't ever really remember not knowing about yeah. Jesus. Having said that, I do remember really clearly my older brother when he was about seven becoming a Christian and he came home and told me all about it. I must have been all of four at the time and I decided I wanted to become a Christian too and I've no idea how much I understood at that point but I do remember that still very vividly as a sort of first conscious step that I took along my journey of faith. Obviously faith is a major journey, there's been a long time has passed since then. As the years go by I would say I probably have more questions than I did and less answers but I'm also more convinced than ever of the absolute loving faithfulness of God that I've experienced over the decades. And so I'm still a Christian because God is still faithful and the Christian faith still makes sense and the cross still stands and Jesus is still Lord. Amen, amen. Uh, so I wanted to start with that question first because to start with, yes, you're you're the PA to the general director, Damien. That's right. How did you come to be the PA? Like, kind of, what's your story? And I know your, your Christian faith is weaved in throughout that. So, um, I didn't start off an admin at all. I was a teacher at one point. I taught maths and methody in the early nineties for a few years. Math magician. Well, sort of. <laughs> and I then headed off to Nepal with Interserve Ireland for about six years, and I taught maths there in a school called Kisk, which was set up for Mish kids uh, and other children. I then met my husband Henry. He had been with OM, Operation Mobilisation, in South Asia for about 17 years at that point. So after we got married, I joined him in Bangladesh. And we spent about 12 years there in Bangladesh as a couple and then as a family with our two children, Josh and Shona. So in Bangladesh, I wasn't teaching maths. I worked with a lot of local believers to run a children's club in a slum area in Dhaka, the capital where we lived. And I was also just very involved with the local families on our own OM team. Most of our OM team members were Bangladeshis. They were first generation believers from the majority background. And there weren't an awful lot of resources available in that particular language. And so there was a local translation of Daily Bread, believe it or not, (laughs) five or six editions of it that were available. But at that point in time, there was little or nothing in terms of resources aimed at children. And I was very aware that the folks in our team hadn't grown up hearing about Jesus when they were children and weren't very sure how to talk to their children about their faith or how to read the Bible. Very different context to hear then. Totally. And yet the same needs in so many ways. So it was in that context of trying to help the children on our team and their families read the Bible for themselves that I developed a one-year correspondence course for, for the kids on our own team. Brilliant. During the last few years that I was in Bangladesh as well, Obviously, I'd been involved with this kids club over a number of years and in running conferences for our own children, our OM team, and had built up a lot of resources just that I had used myself for teaching Bible stories. And so I put those together into a three-year chronological Bible story curriculum, which then others could take and use to teach Sunday school type groups or similar groups in Bangladesh. So a lot of work there with children and with families and resources, which would keep you happy. (laughs) (laughs) We came back to Ireland right at the end of 2015 and neither of us had any idea what we were going to do. I did actually come back and do some subbing. Uh, in fact, I was back for a month in Methody where well, I started I was going to say, I was teaching just part of your mindset then, you know. 
I really wasn't sure. And I came back, did some subbing and was very aware that I hadn't taught maths for 12 years and hadn't taught in the UK for 19 years at that point. And I was a bit unconvinced about going back into teaching. I was just beginning to look at what other options might might be there. I have always enjoyed admin, which not everybody does. (laughs) And so when my cousin sent me through the ad for the PA role here at SU, I was really interested, I think partly because of the admin side of things, but Also because SU has always been at my heart, SU was hugely formative for me growing up. You've heard that I became a Christian when I was really young, Mm. but it takes a lot of steps from being four years old and putting your trust in Jesus at some level to continuing on in in that journey. And SU was definitely a major part of that, from SU at school to going to an SU camp to being a volunteer at Groomsport Sism, Ballycrock and Sism helping with junior SU and Methody, even just using Bible reading notes from SU, which I still do. SU has just played such a key role in who I am. And I think looking back, so much of what I did in Bangladesh with children and young people and families and resources was probably trying to bring a lot of what I gained and learned from SU here uh, into that very different context. So to end up in this admin role, which I enjoy in an organisation that I just so wholeheartedly appreciate, has been a lovely example of God's faithful provision. And so how long have you been here for now? Since 2016, so about two and a half years. Very good. And obviously you're talking about how SU's been formative in the past, but from the time that you've started working here, what is it that you have seen that would be good to share in the podcast, or what is it that you love about SU? I think one of the things I love about SU now is also the past of SU. I think one of the most amazing things about SU is the fact that here and now we get to build on a 150-year heritage Mm. that has gone before, and... You know, the methods and I guess the packaging have changed immensely over time, and so they should. There'd be something wrong if they didn't. <laughs> but the heart of SU has not changed, and just wanting to reach children and young people and to see them come to faith, to see them grow, and to help people of all ages engage with God's Word. In Bangladesh, and I suppose both before and after that time, some of the key verses in my life would be from Psalm 78, where it says, We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. He commanded our ancestor to teach their children so the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born. And they in turn would tell their children and they would put their trust in God. And I just love that idea of faith going from generation to generation to generation. It's something I appreciate in my life. It's something I wanted to see happen in Bangladesh with new believers telling their children about Jesus. And SU has just been faithful generation after generation after generation and telling children about the Lord. SU's done that in new ways. It's obviously stayed fresh. It's aware of changing context and culture. But it's been absolutely unchanging and keeping God's word and God's good news firmly at the centre. Last week, as part of my work, I needed to troll through the archives cupboard to find some documentation. And it was funny because I came across a lot of brochures and flyers and publications, some of them from the 1920s and 1930s. (laughs) Um, and I've also seen camps of uh, pictures of camps my parents were involved in in the 50s and 60s. And whilst the pictures are hilarious and the language is dated, you know, what SU was doing then is not that different from what I remember mm. sitting through my first SISM meeting 40 years ago. And it's not that different from what my children now experience in this generation at the SU programme at New Horizon or in their school SU groups or at SU camps in the summer. SU is just still there coming alongside children and young people to open God's word and share God's news. And so as a parent now, as well as working here, I just so appreciate how SU has changed with the times but has remained the same at heart. Just really faithful to that same calling generation after generation. For you and your role, how can how can people be praying for you? 
I think just pray that it can be a good and effective support to Damien and just to the amazing team here at SU and to be able to do all that I can to free them up to continue to bring God's good news to this generation of children and young people, including my own. John, thank you so much. That wasn't too bad, was it? You're so welcome. Okay, yes. <laughs> thank you very much. So we appreciate you taking the time to listen and we hope this is a resource for you and your church. We, we want to work with churches to resource children's and youth ministry. If you enjoyed listening, please tell others and perhaps even think of someone who you could share it with. Uh, feel free to subscribe or even uh, give us a review online. And if you've been inspired by anything uh, we've shared and feel moved to financially support, then please head to suni.co.uk forward slash give. Uh, another way you can give is through a new challenge that some of us as staff and volunteers are taking part in called Rampage. It is as horrific as it sounds and uh, if you keep an eye on Facebook you'll have more information about that Also you may remember in a previous podcast we wanted to give to you and we're pleased to announce that Ruth Delzell was the winner of the free book Bible Engagement Basics by Lawson Murray so congratulations and so if you're listening and you feel like you've missed out hopefully we'll have more competitions in the future so until next time God bless <laughs>